Hello, I'm Jason Solomons. Welcome to Seen Any Good Films Lately. This is the podcast for some top viewing recommendations from the best in the business. And on this show, we'll be hearing from one of the stars of the hottest yet coldest dramas on TV right now. That's the kind of beauty of the show is that actually we were all freezing. We were all (laughs) facing kind of winds that were making it at least minus 30. That's actor Sam Spruill, currently starring in The North Water, alongside a cast that includes Colin Farrell, Jack O'Connell and Stephen Graham. To name just a few, we'll hear how they made it and find out what Sam's been watching and the films that have inspired him. So, Sam Spruill is my guest, after I tell you if I've seen any good films lately. get straight into this with everybody's talking about Jamie which they are because it's the film adaptation of the hit stage musical and it's now out in cinemas and on Amazon and it's a big bright bouncy show about a schoolboy in Sheffield who wants to be a drag queen and to wear a dress to his prom. Jamie knew. Me? Sorry miss. Just daydreaming. Pretty. I've got something to show you. You gotta swear not to tell anyone. Tell anyone what? I want to be a drag queen. Oh my days. Richard E. Grant is in it as Jamie's drag mentor. Sarah Lancashire is his mum. His best friend is a girl called Pretty. And his dad, Ralph Innocent, don't want nothing to do with him. But everybody's talking about Jamie. Even the careers teacher, played by Sharon Horgan. It's fun, this film, without doubt. But it's not brilliant. Sorry to say it. It's just not a film that makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, nor does it crackle with wit. The songs are okay, but don't always push the drama along, and there's a lot of them, and a couple of them drag. The best number, cinematically speaking, is Richard E. Grant's, which inserts him in flashback to the activism of Section 28 and of AIDS. But something's missing from making this film truly fabulous. Something doesn't quite come together with all the storylines and all the big moments. I wanted to love it and laugh, but that didn't quite happen for me. I have been gripped by the North Water, quite literally, as people hang on to the ice caps here. It's directed by Andrew Haig, who made the excellent and sexy but very low-budget Weekend and the poignant 45 Years, a drama which starred Charlotte Rampling and Tom Courtney and involved the discovery of an old lover preserved in ice. And that ice theme returns with a vengeance in the North Water as Haig directs a huge cast in a huge undertaking. Big, big production here with, you know, period trappings and wood and ships and sea. And it's all set on the ice caps and aboard this whaling ship that leaves 1850s hull for the Arctic wastes and some very high seas. You know what people call us whalers? They say we're refugees from civilization. Well, come aboard, Mr. Summer. The man who's scared of himself. Ain't much of a man in my book. You think I'm scared? You have no idea what I am. There's too much ice at this time of year. You're putting us all at great risk. Sam Sprawl stars in it, and he is my guest on this edition. He's an actor I've known since his first big role in the thrill of London to Brighton back in 2006. And it's been good to watch him in so many different kinds of films thereafter, from big-budget ones like Snow White and the Huntsman, to Starred Up, again with Jack O'Connell, to Legend with Tom Hardy and The Outlaw King. 
And he was also superbly nasty in Steve McQueen's Mangrove last year, playing the racist copper who was stirring up trouble in Notting Hill. We'll talk about his career and the films that have shaped him, and of course find out more about the making of The North Water, in which he plays Cavendish, a seasoned salty sea dog, always ready for a drunken brawl. But when I spoke to Sam Sproul, he was keen to stress how much more there was to the North Water than a seafaring adventure. I think there's quite a lot to chew over in it as well. It's got kind of philosophy in it, religion. It's got issues to do with climate and uh, man's relationship anyway to um, the natural world. So there's a lot in it. Yeah, very much. Even in the first episode, that comes away. The haunting beauty of the ice cap and this sort of seal cull that, that, that goes on and the blood involved in that. But before yeah. that, we're sort of, you know, it starts with a Schopenhauer quote about, you know, man being a devil. And it's to see it directed by Andrew Haig. I don't know if you knew him before, but I mean, I knew him from weekend and 45 years. You know, it, this seemed to be, if I'm thinking, why is he doing this? What's he bringing to this? It, it must be a, an examination of, of, of masculinity. Well, I knew Andrew Haig's work. I didn't know him. But yeah, his films and also his series, um, looking which is uh was about kind of gay life in san francisco he composed kind of a series of kind of very um delicate dramas really you know um and then there was this yeah i guess essentially masculine when i first met him he said i'm really interested by how supposedly straight men interact with each other and then um he felt like he had a story a framework to explore how men behave with each other yeah so he did bring sexual politics into it because very early on i think there's a discussion between stephen graham and jack o'connell where they they mentioned there was a rumor of two men being sweethearts and i thought that was i don't think i've ever heard that in an 1850s set you know period drama one of his first notes to me about my character was uh, i think your character's in love with colin farrell's character drax and that completely opened up the part for me because it just it, it actually made me um, think about, you know, how we all kind of fell into line behind the most popular boy in yes. the class or or the kind of the sports star was the the idol of the year. And, and how you could have that kind of whether it be sexual or platonic love for um, for, for people like that. And I was yeah. just like, oh, this is a gift. I now know how to. Is that, one of, is that one of the best notes you ever had? It is one, yes, I guess it was actually. It really, it just um, opened everything up, and I and 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 also really accessed the vulnerability of the character as well. Yeah, because there's a lot of bravado, uh, even because you, when you say it, absolutely, it's, I see it on your character's face in that brawl in the bar fight in the first in in Lerwick up in Shetland. Yes, fight, yeah. and he, he sort of goes into battle for. Colin Farrell, and he sort of knows he's going to be a drunken brawl is about to ensue. He sort of gets up yeah. and he's ready for it. He kind of sacrifices himself in a way for for the sake of his um, mate who he loves, and I think he spends a lot of the time um, wanting to be closer to him, wanting to impress him, wanting to be him. What about you, Sam? I mean, I was looking at it, and then the, you know the, the credits was Jack O'Connell and it's Colin Farrell, Stephen Graham. You know, I think three of the best actors that we've got. And then it went you, Sam Sproul, you know, and I thought, fantastic. You know, you're, you're, you're up there. How do you feel? I can quite believe it. Really, (laughs) Quite often I have to audition for lots of stuff and uh, I have to do multiple auditions and I don't get it. This was a straight offer 
And um, I couldn't believe it because it's Andrew Haig, whose work I really respected. And also it was a peach of a part, which just gets better through the show, you know. So it's, uh, I just, I just couldn't believe my luck, quite frankly, Jason. <laughs> Who's the one, that, who do you normally go up against? Not to name names, but do you know what I mean? When you audition and you go, and you go oh, well, you know, I'm not going to get this. Yeah, it's usually it's just between me and, me and Colin Farrell. No, it's not. <laughs> um, I don't really tune into that because, you know, I, I think there's a kind of series of character actors um, who are, you know, uh, probably vying for the same parts or all want to be in the good projects, yeah. you know. But um, I don't tune into that because I don't, I think it's just so lucky how you get a job anyway. And uh, to kind of add a narrative to, oh, I'm always up against that person. That person's got that job from me or I've got it from them. I just, I can't be bothered to add that dimension of neurosis <laughs> to an already neurotic uh <laughs> provoking profession oh well this guy you made you made him your own definitely this one it couldn't it couldn't be anyone else that's the thing once it's once it's yours you've got to make it so that it couldn't have possibly been anyone else's yeah and i think that's probably one of the nicest things you're ever going to say to me jason oh, so yes thank you oh, in that case i might launch you to, <laughs> might launch you to some questions sam if it comes yeah on my okay show. go for it yeah yeah, yeah. what you want to, have you seen any good films lately i have seen a mixture of films lately so uh going to give you one which I'm kind of way behind on which I saw Tony Erdman which was a German film I don't know whether you caught it. I did it was uh, a while back actually yeah Aaron, yeah Aaron Hade, and, uh, the director. oh right okay and completely bonkers but really kind of um I thought did an amazing job of uh looking at quite a boring world the corporate world and corporate culture and just uh really showing uh how difficult it can be to find your true self in that, you know, and um, and really and really skewered it brilliantly. Did, you, did it make you laugh? It really made me laugh, you know. And of course, it, this woman who it kind of centres on, um, as well as her dad, but this woman who it centres on, you know, who's given everything to to her company, all her loyalty, all her personal life. She ends up naked by the end of it, as do them all. And uh, <laughs> and I just thought that was just. I just thought it was brilliant. They're doing a remake. You reminded me of that, Tony. I really hope not. I mean, these remakes, you know, I think they did a remake of um, Force Majeure, which is, again, such a brilliant film. Why would you ever remake that? But, um, you know, I guess there's money money to be made. Well, Americans can't do re-German or Norwegian subtitles or whatever the Force Majeure was. I mean, I I can't, I I just don't want to hear that. I just, I just, I can't, that that makes me so depressed. But, uh, and then I saw another round, which is probably going to be uh, remade it as well by the Americans. It is remade by Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> sensational film and doesn't need a remake. I just, uh, Mads Mikkelsen gives, I think, just one of the performances of his career. I mean, he's probably given loads of performances <laughs> that are equally good, but um, I just thought the sadness that he began with at the beginning and then the joy that he felt at the end. Is he one of your sort of inspirational actors? Yeah, why not? I mean, I... I um, I've got a bunch, but I, but I just think uh, he's brilliant in this. He's just fantastic to watch. What an incredible face! So I saw that, and then guilty pleasure. I have watched White Lotus. I'm and watching I don't White know, Lotus. I'm watching it. I mean, I'm. I loved it. I just uh, it, for anyone who doesn't know what it is, I think it's on HBO. It's about um, a hotel in Hawaii. 
and it kind of centers around i don't know white rich white privilege and um uh, but has some incredible character turns in it the pick of them being jennifer coolidge yes um, as a kind of um xanaxed out of her brain uh uh um i don't know i mean she's obviously got loads of money and just can't can barely string a sentence let alone string a day together without being drugged out of her mind but she's fantastic aloha aloha are you ms mcwood quad one syllable mcquad well two syllables but the second part is one syllable wad mcquad I'm uh, that's the one I watch. I have things that I watch on my own, which I have a feeling the North Water might be. Uh, and then there's things I watch with my wife that we can't watch unless we're both there watching it. And the I know, and that watch. and that thing, I was just like, why are we watching this? And to uh, to my wife, I was like, why are we watching this? We're holding on to each other because it makes you, my heart pressure, <laughs> uh, my blood pressure, sorry, um, was just kind of through the roof uh, at watching some of the kind of I don't know, just worlds crumbling. Yeah, and, um, I love the music as well. The music, when it starts, it makes you feel so tense immediately. You know, it's a kind of a wonderful preparation for what you're about to see. Brilliant. Good recommendations. What's the first film you saw at the cinema, Sam? Um, it was E.T. and I saw it with my dad and I was very young. And I guess it marked the beginning of a whole load of Spielberg films that feel like they dominated my early childhood that's um those are kind of my overriding memories and et actually it scared the bejesus out of me i was really um i think just his physical the the et's physicality just freaked me out but it is uh such a great film yeah. and and spielberg did so many great big popular films in the 80s. It must be odd because if it's the first film we ever saw, it's also presumably not the first time, not the only time you've seen it. Do you know what I mean? You've no. probably watched it again and again because it comes well, on. I've got a son now as exactly. well. All, yeah. So the, how, how different is it when you've watched it at various times of your life? I think it holds up amazingly, you know, and, um, and also the acting is so good in it. Mm. And all those adults who went on to become quite big stars in film you know or big actors in film they're all absolutely brilliant and yeah, serving the piece yeah. yeah yes exactly and i think there's less i think there's also less awareness of the chance this film represented for their careers so they really serve the piece rather than serve themselves you know and it just makes it a brilliant film yeah makes me cry every time and and yeah and delight yeah et yeah uh, would yeah. You, do you remember where you saw it uh, I just remember queuing up to see it. I can't, it was somewhere in Southwest London, uh, uh, which is where I lived the first four years of my life. But I just, and I remember being with my dad and I think him, him being equally upset by it as I was, you know, and he wasn't, he was quite a doer Scotsman. So um, yeah, it was, it was a really good experience. About a film that changed your life, either that you've seen and it had such an influence on you, or or, or both that you were in that changed your life. Yeah, there's times where you're in stuff that um, it can really it can really smash you about a bit and change your understanding of who you are as a person or 
who you are as an actor or how you want to kind of what kind of acting you want to do or whatever but I think on the whole watching films for me does that just as much you know watching great films so I think I had to think about this I'll probably change my mind tomorrow (laughs) but I think when I watched The Piano Teacher um, by Michael Haneke as quite a young man I was in my early 20s I think and uh, that um, it's just an amazing film and it really made me understand that you could have a character based film um, which just held so many themes you know it's got sexuality repressed sexuality it's got genius in there it's um it's because uh, she's um Isabel Huppert plays a kind of um a, a pianist who's obviously uh, unbelievably good at what she does but um can't quite accept that as well uh the problems that come with genius um she has this um uh, unbelievably complex relationship with her mother she then embarks on a really dangerous and and uh, um, kind of doomed relationship with a younger man, her student. And um, it's just was so rich. And I remember f- the film fin- finishing and uh, just sitting there in silence for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Was that your like first a- Michael Haneke movie? Yes, it was. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's, the, that's the key that someone's telling this story with that precision and that power and that control it's almost yeah almost or you, you sit in awe and silence after something like, god that guy is in charge of this story this world this character the, you know the impact is so laser precise i think yeah laser precise but you feel like you've also been kind of smashed through a brick wall <laughs> yeah. you know so it's so uh, uh it, it is the the emotional impact of it how it kind of shifts your understanding of what humans can be is was unbelievable. And I would, it's quite kind of, as you say, an, an austere, um, arty film to to bring up. But actually, I recommend anyone to go and see it. Isabelle Huppert, one of the finest and most beloved French actresses of her generation, stars in the performance of a lifetime. A gripping portrait of a brilliant musician. Her secret world of obsession and desire. And the young man drawn into her lonely, desperate life. Isabelle Huppert is just unbelievably good and unbelievably good at doing seemingly nothing and everything happening kind of interior-wise, you know. And it's, it's what she has to do in that film is, um, is really hardcore and uh, brutal and um, but amazing. <laughs> Did you watch any films for... North Water, did Andrew sort of say, right, to get you in the mood, we're going to watch this film together or go away and no. watch this? No, not really, actually, which is fine by me. I mean, I read a bit, I listened to, I read a lot, actually, around the time and the whaling um, industry uh, around 1850. Um, we had the book as well that it's based on 
by Ian Maguire. I did watch a film, actually, a small website called the Huntley Archives, which is, uh, I don't know, I, 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 I don't know how big an organisation the Huntley Archives, film archive is, but they had a film of um, Irish and Norwegian whalers in 1900, this tiny, grainy, 11-minute black and white. And I did watch that, and I thought it was it was brilliant because you really got a sense of um, people's physicality, um, the kind of um, slightly anarchic behaviour of the crews. And then it ends in, you know, it's got lots of them kind of killing whales and, and cutting blubber and just, um, you know, really good detailed films. But then it's got, it ends with them all mucking about and dancing together. So there's obviously no women about. So they're all kind of um, uh, dancing kind of waltzes or whatever it yeah. is, or kind of... Um, uh, Irish jigs and um, uh, so I, I watched that and that was really informative. That's fascinating. He also, yeah, yeah, he also he didn't give he didn't give um, a film, but he he sent some music by Tim Hecker, who um, actually does the music in the Northwater. He's a kind of uh, uh, sound artist and he. Um, creates these kind of insane landscapes of sound, which the, the tape he sent was really similar to what's in the North Water. And I listened to it, it had a kind of sci-fi quality, you know, because being in the Arctic, it's a bit like space. You're completely isolated. There is no one around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. And so you do feel like you're kind of on a different planet. Did you see the Northern and Lights? We, of course. Oh, I'm yeah. glad I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Well, yeah, we were there at the right time and uh, we were really far north. So, yeah, we did. But, yeah, this this music by Tim Hecker was uh, immediately um, brilliant to kind of let you know the tone of the piece. Yeah, it's fantastic. Brilliant. If I could give you the power of time travel, Sam, and you could go back to visit any set of any film yeah. being made anywhere in the world, old Hollywood, Bollywood, wherever you want, where do you yeah. fancy dropping in on? Films that seem unbelievably chaotic, but have an alchemy that uh, somehow make it work and somehow just the kind of craziness surrounding them has added to uh, the picture that they've created. So um, Apocalypse Now, mm. I think, sounds like a complete, it sounds complete chaos, complete madness, which really serves the film brilliantly. Yeah. And uh, or, or something like Fitzcarraldo, you know, where the the story is replicated by the film, not just in what it shows you, but they don't cheat it, do they, in the making of no, the film? No, so, you're giving yourself a hard time that you want to go into the, the apocalypse now or Fitzcarraldo. Yeah, but I think it's just I think it's just I think it's just madness. And I think that's what I think I'm frightened of that madness i think a lot of the kind of film filming i've done has had a kind of control to it where you know you produce good work in another way i if i see a film like um uh american honey say um uh, by andrew arnold you know that looks like it's got the street cast and they're filming on the street then they're kind of filming with non-actors and it just seems like um Chaos again, which I love that film. I love it, but it's um, but you just kind of go, well, uh, could I could I have survived on that? You know, so I think it's the go go to sets that frighten me um, to maybe try and get the the, um, the 
the kind of courage to do more work like that myself. You coming with us? Yes, ma'am. You must be the little redneck chick. What's your name? Star, ma'am. That's your real name? Yes, ma'am. How old are you? 18. So you're a grown woman now. Yeah, I guess. Where's that accent from? Texas. To a southern girl, a real American honey like me. You know that song? No. Great shout, American honey. I hadn't thought of that for a little while. And, you know, I can yeah. absolutely see it. As you said, I can feel it. I can feel the film. I can feel the, the wind in it and the music in it and Shirley Booth. Absolutely great shout. Yeah, I mean, I'm also, I mean, I think he's Shirley Booth, uh, uh, incredible actor, terrible reputation. Um, but, you know, sometimes I guess as a filmmaker that you've got to dance with the devil. Yeah, and harness that. Have you ever fallen in love at the movies? Uh, yeah, I guess anything with Penelope Cruz in it. I'm allowed to say yeah. that. I just think she's unbelievably gorgeous. And and also just um, her performances are so, uh, especially in um, a lot of our films, are just so um, raw and uh, have everything, you know, sexuality and um, but also um, tenderness. And, you know, I just think she's she can be phenomenal in his films. I, I totally agree. I've just seen, I just happened to come back from Venice and I saw another one of hers, Parallel Mothers, a new one with him. And she won, yeah, but she won, the, was she won the best, best actress. actress. Yeah, and absolutely, deservedly so. She's brilliant in it. And it's kind of a more mature performance. Yes, I always like the kind of slightly cartoonish cleavage ones involved there yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that but this is yeah. she's, she's just awesome in this I mean I, I, great yeah. great choice um, what about did, 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 have you ever been on a date to the movies or fallen in love but uh, I did um, take uh, a, a first date to um, a, a Chris Marker film which is um, which is so such a kind of bad choice it's so kind of unpopcorny, so high art and it's in this particular film it had a um, a giraffe being shot in the neck and you just watch it die. I mean, my she was like, "What are you doing to me? Like, why are we here?" Uh, it was absolute buzzkill. So you were um, like, "I'm going to take you to this ICA or wherever it probably was." Yes, yeah, that's exactly what it was there. <laughs> of course it was. Yeah. And you thought, no, "I'll show yeah. off, look how clever yeah, I am." Yeah, I'll show we'll off and see my credentials. And, and have um, you seen La Jete? Or have you seen? Yes, exactly. Way? I think I, I think it probably was that. Or anyway, um, yes, it was a total mistake. I was totally pretentious. I probably still a bit am, <laughs> and it's lucky I found someone to love me. Isn't but, it? <laughs> um, yeah, yes, yeah, but uh, no, I've never, I've never, um, other than that, I've got no stories for you. Oh, I love that. No, I do like that. <laughs> <laughs> what about your favourite musical moment in the movies? It could be a dance number, it could be the use of a song in a film to go with, you know, the action. What's your favourite moment? I watched not long ago with my son, Beetlejuice, and there is... Um, uh, a scene in it where they dance to their force, the group of kind of um, uh, guests uh, at this dinner table. So it's the um, Catherine O'Hara and um, Jeffrey. Oh, oh, what's his name? His surname. Uh, I know the guy. Yeah. Anyway, they're 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 <laughs> the um, kind of horrible mum and dad, pretentious mum and dad who have moved into this haunted house, and they they everyone at the table is. Um, forced to dance and uh, and kind of um, sing to uh, Deo, the bananas, banana <laughs> yeah. boat song. And it is absolutely brilliant. Also, 
Are you doing Work this? Work all night on a drink of rum. Daylight come and we want go home. Stack banana till the morning come. Daylight come and we want go home. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come and we want go home. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. And on the same tip, Catherine O'Hara, who I love, who um, uh, she's in Shit's Creek. I don't know whether you've seen that. I don't watch it, but everyone loves it. And she's I incredible in it. She's incredible. Jeffrey in Jones. Okay. Jeffrey yeah. Jones. He's the headmaster in Ferris Bueller as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal actor. But um, she's also in uh, this film called um, Waiting for Guffman. Yeah. And uh, which is that kind of um, uh, uh, Broadway producer coming to audition uh, in this small town, which has got this amateur dramatic society. And she does this amazing kind of little number with Fred Willard, their husband and wife, and uh, as an audition in uh, matching shell suits. And it is priceless. Watch <laughs> Waiting for Guffman. It's a great film. Great, great. I do like those uh, Christopher Guest. Uh, but it's, it's Catherine O'Hara as well. She's an absolute comic genius. Yes, you she know. is. I'm going to check that one out. Shout, Sam. Well, where's your favourite cinema? Well, I've got to to go local to me. I've also got to go uh, independent. And so it's Dalston Rio, uh, which I love. I love its kind of ethos. I love the people who work there. I think it's a a great old cinema. But also another one, the other side uh, of Hackney, which is The Castle. Oh, yes. uh, On... um, Chatsworth Road, a uh, beautiful little cinema that they've set Lovely, up. Lovely, but run by a husband and wife team that sort of put it together themselves and did all the painting. And I'm afraid I don't know that, but they've done a fantastic job. It's a really pleasant, um, really pleasant. Great uh, bar and yeah. Yeah, great. exactly, exactly. It's fantastic. It's so those Lovely. two cinemas, let them prosper. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah, we've got to save the Dawson. Always seem to be trying to save the Dawson Rio. Uh, we seem to manage yeah. so far. <laughs> well, they kind of get through, and also their snacks get more zhuzhi and more expensive. So hopefully that alone <laughs> will, um, will save them. And finally, now you're, you're filming on location. What are you filming in Norway? Are you allowed to tell me? Yes, I'm filming um, a film called uh, The Hanging Sun, which is based on a Joe Nesbo novel, who is a obviously a huge Norwegian uh, um, writer and um, his novel is called uh, The Midnight Sun and it's uh, an Italian production with um, an Italian director and uh, mainly English actors so um, Peter Mullen again, Charles Dance, um, Jessica Brown Finley Um, so uh, yeah, it's fun, and I'm playing twins, which I've never done before. So it's a really good. So challenge. you're doing both of them. Yes, like oh, Haley yeah. Mills. Uh, yeah, but not at the same time. So not you. Not thank goodness they don't have to kind of um, spend loads of time trying to work out how they're going to have me on screen. Oh, you don't argue with yourself, and like, yeah. no, 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 no. So that's fantastic. <laughs> well, what but, yeah, fun! I, 
Yeah, no, it's, it is fun. That's exactly what it is. It's kind of a strange religious community that we're trying to kind of create. So. And I, I only ask that because I was trying to work out your favourite film location. Now, it's either one that you've seen on film and just thought, wow, or, or when, one that you've shot at, given that you've just been Yeah, there. I mean, I think, I think you know, um, filming in the Arctic yeah. on the Northwater was just truly, a truly awesome privilege. But I think um, there's two others. I think year that my dad died my beautiful dad he was scottish and i ended up filming um uh for three months in scotland that year on a film called outlaw king which um david mckenzie directed oh that was a muddy and, one yeah it was really muddy but it was just <laughs> i was in scotland for a long time essentially with my dad's spirit and i just oh. and, it, and it saw so many beautiful parts of scotland because they you know the film was big budget they had access to some really um, amazing areas, you know, ancient forests, beautiful mountains, all the rest of what Scotland has to offer. And mm. we went really north, south, east, west. We covered it all. That's proper fantastic. epic, that film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was big. And then um, I also filmed in Benidorm, which I suppose on a film called um, The World Is Yours, directed by um, Roman Gavras. And... Uh, um, which is a great little film, actually, with Vincent Cassell and Isabel Ajani in the lead. And um, uh, um, it was, I, I mean, when you get to Benidorm, it's kind of an assault on the senses. It's a lot of drinking. It's very loud. You kind of like the kind of the sex is turned up to 11, you know, and um, it's an assault on the senses. But actually... I ended up kind of growing to love it. I don't know why. I just thought it had a kind of a truth and a no mess into it, which um, I learned to appreciate. Yeah, well, I love uh, Ajani and I love Vincent Cassell. I love you. And I, I, don't think I, I don't know if I saw that film or not. Because I know they're well, making Vincent Cassell on the camera. Yeah, I mean, I think, and, and Vincent, Vincent, he's um, he's so brilliant at it. He's, got, he's kind of playing this kind of... Um, a broken fella with a pot belly uh, who's got not much to offer anymore other than his own kind of theories and madness. And um, he's truly fantastic in it. And I thought, what's he doing? I don't think he's really got hold of this part. And of course, I saw the film. He's bloody brilliant. He's better than <laughs> anyone else. Daddy's got a work darling. So we load up the car with the material and then we come back in an hour. Okay, it's good for me. Please give me back my money. Great to talk to Sam Sprawl. And the North Water is currently on BBC One every Friday night, I think, and available in one big icebergy lump on iPlayer. Just time for a couple of shouts for some more small-scale movies. 
A Brixton Tale. It's pretty interesting, actually. It's about a white girl, played by Lily Newmark, filming her black boyfriend for an art piece project in South London. But it gets mixed up in a blur of what's real and what's art. It's a story of gentrification and class and desire and ambition. Uh, And it's really well done, actually. A Brixton Tale. And then there's another film from Mark Cousins. Yeah, he was a guest on my Can podcast, you might remember, with his latest chapter uh, on the story of film and where he was also presenting The Storms of Jeremy Thomas. Uh, but uh, following its glamorous premiere at my film festival uh, in the Cinedrome at Green Man Festival, uh, the story of looking is out now. And it's a very personal film, even for Mark Cousins. It's about an operation on his eye which could result in this professional watcher and looker losing his vision. Of course, Mark uses this as the springboard for much musing, always fascinating and thoughtful, often beautiful observations. Uh, And he looks at science and the human condition and what we need our eyes for and our place in the universe. And of course, he talks about movies too. This is the very moment it happened. All my life I have loved looking. The visual world has been my joy. And as a filmmaker, it's been my work too. But now I realize that I have a cataract. My eyesight is dimming. Tomorrow I will have my eye cut open. So today, Will I go out and explore the world with my camera? Or will I stay in bed and imagine it? Thoroughly recommend the story of looking. And that's it, though, for this edition of Seen Any Good Films Lately. Thanks to Sam Spruill for joining me and to Kate Dawkins for editing it all together as ever. Got some great guests coming up in the next couple of weeks, including This Is England's Joe Hartley on her new film Sweetheart and director Jake Scott on his new Oasis concert movie about Nebworth from 1996. And there'll be a Seen Any Good Bond Films Lately special show to mark the return of 007. I'll leave you, though, with some music from The North Water, which stars my guest Sam Sprawl, and it's the atmospheric soundscape of composer Tim Hecker and a piece called Seasick. See ya.